Stovall, as Lindsay said, I don't know who the famous person is, but you got me instead, okay? Uh, I am the pastor of Congregational Life at The Bridge in Princeton. I have been a part of The Bridge, and how many of you remember when The Bridge in Princeton was Whitley? I have been a part of Whitley and The Bridge since uh, 1995. Matter of fact, uh, this coming month, the first of August, the first week of August, my wife who is here, wave at everybody, honey, she's going to love me for doing that. Uh, my wife Kirsten is here, our daughter Taylor, my mother-in-law Teal. Uh, we came way back then, so it's been 25 years. I was seven years old when I came to the bridge, but... Um, but it's been an amazing journey, and I am just so excited. Anytime I get to be in Smithfield, it's a good day, right? I'm t- right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, don't you love Pastor Allen and Miss Misty? I tell you, they are just great, great people. Matter of fact, when I'm done preaching here this morning, I am heading uh, to Lynch as well. I'm going to go up there and... Uh, do some work for the Lord, and we're just expecting a great, great week. But I just appreciate him asking me to come and be a part. I, I'm thankful for Lindsay and the worship team did an amazing job today. And uh, Thurman and his family, just uh, outstanding uh, uh, young man right there. I tell you, I love you, brother. God bless you. Y'all did a great job. Um, so happy that you're here today as well. Uh, as we begin this evening and I, I, or this morning... And I'm going to say that Lindsay wasn't aware of what I was preaching uh, when the song set was chosen, but we are going to be talking about overcoming fear today. How many of you know that if you turn on the television for two seconds, it's enough to make you afraid, right? Uh, Anybody ever watch Chicken Little? What did he say? The sky is falling, right? The sky is falling, Chicken Little. I'm talking about overcoming fear. Thurman and I were actually at a a service yesterday that I had an opportunity to speak at. And, um, and I had my iPad with me. I was just thinking about this while y'all, were, while y'all were singing. I had my iPad with me. If you will notice today, I don't have my iPad with me. So I've got some fear to overcome. And here's why. Because I was standing on a football field sharing at this funeral service, and I had my iPad in my hand. Now, how many of you know at 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon in eastern North Carolina, it was a scorcher? And so I'm standing there, and I mean, I'm feeling it. God is just using me, and I am just giving the word like crazy. And all of a sudden, as I'm talking like I am to you right now, I look down at the iPad, and do you know what I saw? Nothing. And I went, oh, well, it just fell asleep. So I hit the little thing, and guess what it said? Too hot. (laughs) You're going to have to cool this device down. There are four to 500 people in this stand looking at me. The family's over here, and I'm going, I can't tell them that my iPad is too hot to use anymore. I'm going to have to roll with it. Thankfully, I was very close to the end. But I thought about that today, and I said, you know, I should have just brought that iPad anyway. It wasn't because I was afraid, but this was just going to be easier. But we are going to be talking about overcoming fear. There are a few of you in the house that have heard what I'm going to share today in a Bible study that I did several months back on Wednesday night. 
out of the book of Judges. How many of you have ever read the book of Judges? I'm telling you, that would be a crazy movie, wouldn't it? I mean, it's nuts, the stuff that goes on in the book of Judges, all right? Uh, but in Judges chapter 6, we're, we're introduced to a guy. Does anybody know the guy that we are introduced to in Judges chapter 6? Gideon, exactly. Now, why is the book of Judges called Judges? Does anybody know? Uh, Israel kept doing some stuff, all right? What was going on in uh, the life of, of the Israelites is there was this trend. Israel would rebel. God would judge, or, uh, or God would punish them. Israel cries out to God, and then what does God do? He has mercy on them. He sends a judge. The judge delivers Israel, and then Israel enters into a season of peace. So we've seen this happen two times already. Uh, there are 21 chapters in the book of Judges. It's already happened twice. When we get to the sixth chapter, it's happened a third time. How does Judges 1 begin? Uh, it's not going to be on, uh, on the screen in front of you, but if you would like to follow along in your notes, a lot of what I'm going to share is going to be in there. So you can go to the, to the Bridge NC app, uh, go to TBS, and you will be able to... Uh, find your uh, notes there. And I'm not talking about Turner Broadcast System. So um, <laughs> those of you that are old enough to know what I meant by that. Uh, <laughs> used to be the only place you could watch the Atlanta Braves play baseball, but not anymore. Um, speaking, never mind. I'm going to go on. <laughs> Verse 1 of chapter 6. What does it say? Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, now they had had 40 years of peace. 40 years. And then they did evil. They rebelled against God. Now all of this has happened after God did what we sang about today. He split the sea so they could walk through it. Delivered them from Egyptian bondage. They saw all of the plagues that came on the Egyptians. And the last one was what? The, the plague of the firstborn, right? And, uh, and, and all, all of the Israelites put blood over the doorposts so that, uh, that the angel of death would pass over them. They saw all of that going on, and yet they still rebelled against God. And I'm not talking about kids. They walked in a store, and they saw a crunch bar, and they took it, and they stuck it in their pocket, and they walked out, and they didn't pay for it. And I don't do that. But they weren't doing just that. They weren't, they weren't making some errors in judgment here and there. I mean, they were big time rebelling against God. And we're going to look at what they were doing here in just a second. But here's what God did. Here's what, here's what he did. He gave them into the hands of the Midianites. The power of the Midianites was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, in caves, in strongholds, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, listen to this, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other, other eastern peoples invaded the country. They encamped the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkey. 
They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. God gave them into the hands of the Midianites. I don't know if you've ever wondered, what does judgment look like? That's what it looks like. It was bad. And, and Israel had rebelled, and, and, they, and they cry out to God, and God sends a prophet, the Bible says. And we're going to skip over. I would encourage you to read Judges 6 through 8. We're not going to get through all of that today, but read that whole account uh, because it's unbelievable what they go through. And it's unbelievable that at the end, <laughs> guess what Israel does again? They rebel again. But what we're going to look at is what God has done in the life of the Israelites, and in particular in Gideon. The angel of the Lord came, and he told them, uh, hey, it's, uh, I'm, I'm going to deliver you. And, and in verse 12, it says that Gideon, well, this is verse 9, was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So Gideon is down in a wine press. Now, do you figure the wine press is the place that you would normally thresh wheat? No. It's a wine press. Why is he down there? Because he's hiding from the Midianites, threshing wheat in the threshing floor, and an, the angel of the Lord comes to him and says this. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and says, in, in uh, the ESV it says, O mighty man of valor, uh, God, the Lord is with you. O mighty man of valor, the Lord is is with you. Let's read it. It's on the screen. When the angel appeared, the Lord said, Mighty warrior, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? So it, it kind of flew right over him what the angel of the Lord had just said. Now this guy's hiding in the wine press, threshing wheat. And what does the angel of the Lord say? What does God say to him? You're a mighty man of valor. Did he look like a mighty man of valor? No, he's hiding. He's scared. He's, he's SpongeBob scaredy pants, okay? I was trying to speak to my kids that are in here today. He's afraid. And the angel of the Lord comes and says, Oh, mighty man of valor. Now, why, why did he say that to Gideon when Gideon's hiding? And then after he says it, Gideon's like, Well, if you were... With me, why'd all this happen? And he starts, then he starts being kiddos, SpongeBob whiny pants, okay? He's whining and saying, I don't understand. I don't understand why this is going on. If you're with us, God, why has all this happened to us? Why did the angel of the Lord call him a mighty man of valor? Because what God was doing was calling forth what he knew Gideon could be. What Gideon didn't even see in himself. Let's read on. Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord returned to him and said, Go in strength you, you have, uh, or rather go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. 
But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. I will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if I have found favor in your eyes, then give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. And then what happens is he, he goes and prepares an offering. And then Gideon's scared to death because he realizes that he's just looked upon the Lord. And what does the Bible tell us? Anybody, and when you see in the Old Testament, if you look upon the Lord, you don't live, right? And they said, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it, but we're going to give you this sign. You prepare the offering. You prepare this thing for me, and, and God is going to be faithful. He's going to take that offering. He's going to receive it from you, and he's going to bring healing in the land. So here's what we learned there, and I skipped over the very first point because I just got so excited reading about Gideon. But the first point is this, guys. God doesn't call the brave. He makes brave the called. He makes brave the called. He walks down into a wine press and he sees a man hiding there. But what he sees is what he knows he can be. And he makes brave that man who has been called by Almighty God. Romans chapter 4 verse 17 says, As it, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our Father in the sight of God in whom He believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the Father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham was the same way. Who am I? I'm old, right? My wife is old. How can you give me a child of promise at our age? He said, I will make you the father of many nations. And on and on and on we see God calling forth out of people that he saw and knew what they could be. And God is doing the same thing in your life and in my life here today. He is looking and saying, O mighty man of valor, O mighty woman of valor, it's time for you to step up. It's time for you to answer the call. It's time for you to do what God has called you to do. Who, are, who do we see uh, in modern day living uh, that is... that? are pictures of, of bravery. Of course, the greatest example of bravery and hope and, and justice and truth is we find that in Jesus, in Christ alone. We see it in our men and women who serve in the military, right? Uh, the, who stand on the front lines. They're, they're over and over and over. We see uh, these pictures of modern day bravery. The men and women on Flight 93 who prevented the terrorists from attacking the capital of the United States. You know that famous line from that, from that man who was on the phone, I believe with his wife, and, he, and she heard him say, let's roll. And they went and they, they charged that cockpit and they stopped it. Pictures of modern day bravery. They didn't get on that plane that day. Thinking, I'm going to be a hero today. 
They probably didn't even want to be put in that place. And they're like, Lord, why in the world was this the flight? I had to get home. If I had just missed it, if I had just done like I did two days ago and overslept, I wouldn't be on this flight. Maybe they didn't feel very brave, but God made brave the people that were called into that moment. What is the moment that God's calling you into this week? See, we're going up to Kentucky and we're going to do construction projects and we're going to work with, with folks that can't do for themselves and we're going to be a blessing in some of those areas and I don't even bring tools because they don't think I can even use a hammer. You know, I'm a preacher. What can I do? But we're going to go up there and we're going to do some projects and we're going to do some work. But do you know what it really is about? It isn't about any of the jobs that we're going to go up there and do. It's about that moment. It's about that opportunity that God's going to provide. And then the question for me as an individual, not as a pastor, just as Andy, just as God's kid, what am I going to do with that moment? What am I going to do? Am I going to step out in faith? Am I going to trust God? Am I going to walk that thing out? Or am I, am I going to shudder and say, oh, I, can't, I can't do that, God. That's a little bit beyond what I really feel like I'm capable of doing. You go to work each and every day. Maybe you do it right now during COVID-19 online. I went to a guy's house the other day. I made a visit, and, and he came out in T-shirts and shorts, and he said, I'm, I'm in, a in the middle of a, a conference right now and a conference call, and uh, uh, so can you make it quick? <laughs> I said, yeah. God's given you work to do, but the real calling in your life is not the task at hand, but it's the people that he is surrounding you with. What are we going to do with the people God has allowed to cross our path? How are we going to respond to them? Secondly, in the story of Gideon, we find this truth. That courage is not the absence of fear, but it's following God in the midst of fear. So Gideon prepares this first offering, and then God says, all right, I want you to bring a second bull from your father's herd, and I want you to make an altar, and I want you to bring it and, and, and offer it up there. And then he said, that same night the Lord said to him, um, I'm sorry, that same night the Lord said to him, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down offering the second bull as a burnt offering to God. Do you remember that I said just a moment ago that what Israel was doing in their rebellion against God wasn't like just walking in and saying, oh, you know what, I picked up something that didn't belong to me and I probably shouldn't have done that and I need to go back and, and I need to apologize for doing that and I need to make things right. No, that wasn't what they were doing. They were worshiping another God. They had made an, an altar 
uh, to Baal, and they were worshiping. They had this, this Asherah pole that is a tribute to the god Ashtoreth, who is the goddess of love, war, and fertility. So not only were they not honoring God, they were worshiping another god. So Gideon... God says, I want you to go and I want you to tear this down. I want you to build this altar. I want you to do all this stuff that I've told you to do. And Gideon, the brave, mighty man of God that he is, says, Okay, Lord, but let me do it at night. Because <laughs> I don't want anybody to see. I'm scared they might catch me and I really don't want that to happen. So Gideon took 10 of his servants in verse 27 and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family, he did it at night. Now his daddy stepped up to the plate. He did do something that was pretty strong here. Morning came. They saw what happened. And guess what they did? They looked at it. They said, Gotta be Gideon, you know? Were you that kid in your house when anything ever got tore up, anything ever got broke, they always looked at you and said, yep, I know who did it. My daughter's back there looking going, yeah, I was that girl. No, she's not. I have a son that is, but not her. <laughs> but you know, maybe you were that kid in your house and every time something got tore up, it was like, yep, they did it. They were guilty, uh, you know. Well, they looked at Gideon and said, here you go. You did it. Guilty as charged. And so, in the morning, they find all of this. And then the men of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down the altar of Baal. Are you kidding me right now? I do, I do this thing where I shake my head and make my lips, you know, run side to side, but I'll knock this mic off my head, so I can't do it. But I feel like that moment would be appropriate right here. Are you kidding me right now? And, I, and Joash did a good job now. He replied well. He says to the hostile crowd around him, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you really going to stand up for Baal? Are you kidding me? He was actually more courageous in that moment than Gideon had been. He said, are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. I like that. You know what he said to that crowd that came wanting his son because they wanted him to pay for tearing down the altar of a pagan god? Bring it on, buddy. You don't want to come up in this house. <laughs> because it's not just me that's defending this home. It is Almighty God. Mm. See, that's courage. He shut that door, and the Bible doesn't say this, but I got to imagine he shut that door, and his hands were doing this right here. He's going, I don't know what I just did, and I don't know what just happened, and I don't know why they're not in my house right now, but thank you, God. You ever done that? You ever been there? You ever been in one of those moments? There's a story. I wasn't even planning on telling this, so that this is usually when I get in trouble. There's a story that... Um, 
that my wife has told me about uh, her and her mom when she was a teenager. They were living in Cary. They lived in an apartment. And uh, my wife is in her room and she's doing, you know, whatever. And this guy just comes in to the apartment. Unannounced. Unbeknownst to them. Just walks in. Lurking around, going to see what he can find. And my mother-in-law, you know, is, is a petite lady. Not even going to guess weight, but she's a petite lady. <laughs> and, and she's in there, not big enough to fight off an intruder that is a man that has come walking in the house. And my wife tells me this story and says, All of a sudden, from my bedroom, I hear this voice. It's like Andre the Giant has walked into the room and, and just taken over the body of my mother-in-law. And she says, you get out now, you know, something to that effect. And guess what the guy did? He got, he got out. He's like, man, I was not expecting that voice from that little lady. I don't know what in the world's going on, but I know I'm leaving, you know. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's following God in the midst of fear. And then we look at Gideon chapter 6, verse 36. Gideon says to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place this wool fleece on the, on the threshing floor. If you will do that, then here's what I want you to do. I'm going to put this fleece, which is basically an animal skin, I'm going to put it on the, on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. I trust you, God, but I need you to show me one more time that you mean what you say. And what does God do? He says, okay. And that was as it happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowlful of water. Great. That's all Gideon needed. Off to battle we go, right? Nope. <laughs> then Gideon said to God, mm, don't be angry with me. But let me make one more itsy-bitsy teeny-tiny request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and the ground was covered with dew. He put the fleece out there. And said, God, would you just show me? I want to be brave. I want to be courageous. I want to do what you've called me to do. <sighs> show me it's you. Okay, I'll show you. Show me it's you again. <laughs> okay, I'll show you. Show me it's you one more time. You ever been there? We judge Gideon. When we read that maybe and say, I don't understand. God showed up in the way that he already had and he'd seen in the angel of the Lord. And now he's asking him to cover uh, animal skin with dew. What in the world is going on? Why is he doing this? But we do the same thing. Man, I, 
I went to Disney World when I was a little boy. Disney World? Florida. Which one's that? Disney World. I, I can't keep them straight. I don't know. I went to Disney World. Man, I was courageous. I was brave. I was in my mind all the way there in the car. I'm thinking about all of the rides I'm going to get on. And it's going to be epic. It's going to be amazing. Mickey Mouse is going to ride with me. I'm going to be so cool. Okay. So I'm six, seven years old. I get in line in, for Space Mountain. Remember, is it, I don't even know if that ride's still there or not. Space Mountain's still there. It's in a big building. Space Mountain is dark. There's no light in Space Mountain. Except every now and then, there's this crash of lightning and thunder. And, and, and then all of a sudden, boom, 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 the lights, they flash. Well, the majority of the time you're in line at Space Mountain, you're outside the building. And I'm outside, and I'm like, man, I'm going to tear this ride up. Ain't nobody going to ride it as good as I rode it. It's going to be awesome. My dad is with me. My brother's with me, and he's older than me, so I really got to be brave and courageous. And I got to get on this ride, and we got to make this thing happen now. I mean, this is going to be great. So we get in, and we, we go around all the little things, and then and we're finally in the building. And I'm finally there, and I can hear the roller coaster coming up and stopping, and people getting on, and they're laughing, and it's great. And then they're taking off, and they're screaming, and it's, ah, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. And we get right up to almost, I mean, we've been, we have invested an hour in the line. And I'm looking with great anticipation. And the lights flash. And I said, nope, ain't getting on that ride today. <laughs> and I, I walked away at seven years old. And you just got to know, my dad was a wonderful father, but he was like, all right, yon yon, I'll see you when the ride's over, you know? And he just, this was in 78, so it's probably a little safer for me to wait for my dad at the end of that ride. But he went on and got on the ride. And my brother got on that ride, and I stood there, and I just waited, and I was like, they're, I'm never going to see them again. They're, I mean, they're, they're goners, you know? They've got on that thing in Space Mountain. It's over. How am I going to tell my mom, you know? I get off the ride, and Dad says, man, you should have done it. You should have got on that ride. It was so much fun. And it didn't happen that day. But he kept encouraging me. Didn't belittle me. Didn't, you know, you're, you're such a little girly man, you know. He didn't do any of that. But just encouraged. Man, try it out. I think you'd like it. Keep trying. So finally, about five years later, I did it. About 25 to 30 years after that, I'd been riding. I grew up in uh, Georgia near Atlanta and gone to Six Flags dozens of times. Found myself about 30 years later back in Disney. Guess what I got on? First ride. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Overcoming that fear. It's like, wow, I was really that scared of this? That was so... What is it? What is your space mountain? 
What is that thing you're looking at and you're just like, man, I can't. There's, God's calling you to that thing and you're like, I just cannot do it. Here's the third truth. He tells Gideon over and over and over, God is with you. Do not be afraid. God is with you. The third truth is that we can know God is with us. How many of you want to know God is with you? How many of you are thankful to know He is with you each and every day? See, Judges chapter uh, 7. I jumped over just a little bit. Beginning in verse 19. Now, this is after... uh, Gideon has followed the Lord's instructions. There's, I want to say, about 30 plus thousand men that God, that Gideon has gathered together to go fight against the Midianites. Now he's got all these men and God says, that's too many. And why did he say that was too many? Does anybody remember the story well enough to know why he said that was too many? He said it was too many because if you won the battle with that many men they would think they did it. And it wasn't God. And so he gives them instructions about going to the river and and bringing the men there. Well, first of all, he says, any of you that are scared to fight, you can go home now. And and, and, and a bunch of the guys left then. I think 10,000, if my memory serves me correct. Then they go to the river and they begin drinking. And he said, anybody that takes it in their hand and laps like a dog, those are the ones that will be in the army. You know how many men that was? 300. 300. Against an army that was so big that they were described in chapter 6 as being locust in the land. They had to hide to to uh, farm their crops because they would come and just destroy everything. That they had. They said you couldn't even count the camels that they had in their army. There were so many. And so, Gideon and the hundred men with him, and then there were 200 other that were uh, encamped around the Midianites. They reached the edge of the camp at the mid, at, in the beginning of the middle watch. And just after they had changed guard, they blew their trumpets, broke the jars that were in their hands. The three, companies, the three companies blew their trumpets, smashed their jars, grasping the torches in their left hand and holding in their right hand the trumpets that they were to blow and said, a sword for God and a sword for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, the, all the Midianites ran crying as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. God promised Gideon, I will be with you. And he's going, I'm going into battle with jars and trumpets. 300 of us. Impossible. But. God. Impossible. But. God. The Lord. Is with you. How can we know in 2020. That God is with us. The cross. 
the cross. It is our fleece. Gideon asked for a fleece. The cross is ours. People say in the midst of this pandemic, man, if God loved us, if God was as powerful as the Bible teaches that He is, how could this happen? If God was a loving God, how could He allow this to happen? And that question is already settled. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. I'm a little bit undone today. Because I had an experience Friday that I've had before. And I don't know why it has affected me the way that it has. But I visited a man Friday. About two o'clock in the afternoon. Spent about 30 minutes with him. He had had a car accident. Broke his back was recovering. His dad had just died. I was there visiting with him. We've known each other for over 20 years. He talked about his dad. He talked about the farm. He talked about all this stuff that's going on in their life. Right before I left, I said, I want to pray with you if I can. We prayed together. We talked just a little bit more. It was just an encounter like I've had with you here today. I was laying in the bed last night. And my wife said, did you hear about so and so? I said, what are you talking about? She said, he died yesterday. I said, are you kidding me? I was with him eight hours earlier. He's walking around his den talking to me. He's gone. That's happened to you before. It's happened to me before. The thing that it reminded me of in light of what we're talking about here today. I've never been courageous enough to do what I'm doing here today. It's only because of Him. It's only in Christ. So I cannot let this moment pass without asking this question. Do you know Him? Have you come to the foot of the cross that is our fleece? What does that fleece mean? That God is with us. That He has made the provision for us. That He died for us to pay the penalty of my sin and of yours. Because I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. And what happened with my friend Brian two days ago is a reminder of that. If I live long enough, it will happen again. But I'm in ministry today. 
Because when I was 15 years old, one of my best friends in the world left my house and never came back. And I never told him about Jesus. And I said, God, if you'll give me the breath and the strength to do it, I'll commit my life to it. And so I ask you today, do you know him? And if you do, then I want to ask you a second question. Will you be courageous enough this week to share him with somebody who doesn't? Because we never know when that encounter may be the last one we ever have. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this story of Gideon. I thank you for these historical accounts of you showing up in the lives of people because it's so important that we remember what you've done in the past so that we can know how you're going to respond to us in the now and in the future because your word says you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you, God, for your mercy. I thank you for your grace as we see in this story With Gideon and the Israelites, they had so rebelled against God. They're worshiping other gods. What is the God we're worshiping today? Is it materialism? Is it a person? Is it career and promotion and title? What is it that we serve above you? If there's anything there... I pray that today would be the day we repent of that and say, God, forgive me for making something a God in place of you. I turn from that and I turn to you, Lord, because you alone can save. You alone can deliver. You alone can forgive. If you've not found yourself at the foot of the cross recently, I pray that you will find yourself there today. Saying, God, forgive me. Maybe for the first time. Forgive me where I fail you. And help me to live for you. Maybe you've come to Jesus, but you've been denying the calling that is on your life. You have allowed fear to paralyze you. And today God is saying, it's time to step out, to be courageous, to do what I've called you to do. Will you trust him today? Enough to say yes. Where you lead me, God, I will follow. Even though the odds seem insurmountable, even though it looks like there's no way victory 
can be had. But God, but God, we look to the cross and that empty tomb and the victory that we find there and we say thank you. Thank you for making a way. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I don't often do this, but I want to do it today. If you made a decision to follow Christ, maybe for the very first time, or maybe there's something you've, that's been keeping you from intimacy with God, and you've come back to Him today, would you just, right where you are, lift your hand up and put it right back down? Would you lift it up and put it right back down? I see that hand. God, thank you for the work you've accomplished here today. Now, Lord, go with us as we leave this place. God, use us for your glory. And help us, Lord, to honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.